0: Hey, everyone, welcome back to another edition of the Boiler Basketball Show here on 1017 The Hammer and 1017thehammer.com. Of course, uh, we stream this uh, as the podcast uh, on iTunes and Spotify. You can always go back and check that out. If you do, please uh, subscribe and uh, rate us. We always appreciate that. I'm Jared Jesselitis. Jeff Julik uh, across the way from me here as we're going to spend the uh, next uh, uh, almost an hour long here talking about uh, Purdue basketball coming off of that loss at Maryland, a, uh, a tough pill to swallow because of the fashion that it came in the second half, played very well in the first. Carson seemed to be on fire, and then the shots just were not falling in the second half, Jeff. I mean, it was 16% shooting from the field. It was pretty abysmal, um, and, and there's, just, there's a lot to process from that game uh, besides just the way they shot the ball in the second half.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But you know, coming off that game against Nebraska, team played really well against the Huskers in the second half, and mm-hmm. played really well against Maryland in the first half. And you know, that thirty foot shot that Klein hit at the buzzer gave the Boilermakers some nice momentum going into the half. And and you know, let's not forget, with eight minutes to go, the Boilermakers were only down one point. You know, they just had eight minutes of bad basketball, and they didn't. You know, I heard Alan say this the other day, and it's absolutely true. And that is, if you don't hit your shots, you don't look very good, and the the boilers were missing a lot of shots, and uh, you know I still don't
0: know how uh, Grady Eifert's three pointer came out. I mean that Goodness, ball set to five physics. I want yeah. investigation immediately <laughs> into that end because Maryland shot terribly. Uh, on that end in the first half, and then they switched sides and produce shot terribly. Yeah. I demand an uh, I need a blue ribbon committee, an NCAA investigation into what's going on in Maryland. A fact finding
1: committee. Yes. We need one
0: of those. Absolutely, yes, absolutely.
1: So, but you know, in the end, uh, Penn State came through for us and uh, get Stan
0: Gable and Betty Childs on a blue ribbon right. fact finding committee. That's a Revenge of the Nerds reference. I do it. Uh, I knew it well. I knew okay, it well. all right. Just want to make sure. I'm used yeah. to i used to having Chargers over there. Yeah. I got to explain all the references, but go ahead.
1: Yeah, but anyway, so you know and. The end of the night, you know, Michigan losing to Penn State, and I guess the only thing you lost there was that you're, you're now tied with Michigan State. And and when you look at this remaining schedule, Michigan State looks like they've got uh, uh, a golden opportunity to to roll through the rest of their games. You know, I do realize they got to play Michigan twice, but uh, the way Michigan's playing right now, you got to think Michigan State might be the favorite in those two games. And so, um, you know, back where we started from, we're still tied in the loss column, which is so important for this basketball team. And you know this Big Ten is just so so brutal. You know you saw Illinois go into a high state last night and, and get that. Oh, they're that getting win. hot.
0: They're getting hot. They're getting very very hot. And so
1: I'm so glad that game's in Mackey coming up here at the end. Good of the luck month.
0: playing them in the Big Ten tournament. Oh,
1: you certainly you certainly want that buy, that that. Uh, double-buy so that you uh, don't have to run into them. And well, so, they
0: play their way right out of a Wednesday game, that's for sure. So they start starting Thursday. Absolutely.
1: And so, you know, for the Boilermakers, everything is out there for them. They just need to continue to play, and they got to, uh, you know, take on a, a very confident Penn State team that will be coming in here on uh, Saturday afternoon for the Etuan Moore Bobblehead Day, big event for the Boilermakers. Looking forward to that. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, get that back and then uh, set your sight on getting the IU game on Tuesday night and all will be well with the Boilermakers.
0: Have you got a look at the each one bobblehead yet? I haven't seen I like a preview or anything, the, did you? Uh, what do you yes,
1: think? Uh, pretty cool. You know, they've done a nice job with all those bobbleheads, uh, you know, from the Joe Bear Carroll ones to, uh, to uh, you know, they did the Coach Katie one and, and so on and so on. But they, um, they tweeted that out yesterday and sent those out to the season ticket holders because they're giving those out to the first 2,000 fans. So make sure everybody gets there bright and early to Mackie for that, but, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to see them honor the legends that, uh, you know, I'm waiting for the Robbie Hummel one to come out and those kind of things eventually. So, you know, great tradition of pretty basketball. So for my Bobby
0: Riddell one for Pete's. Bobby, sakes. right there. You may be waiting Marcus a bit one. on that one. It <laughs> 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 you know, add a little local flavor to it every now and then. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I believe each one's supposed to be in the house. I, I think somebody told me he's bringing some of his charity kids on down. From the thing that he runs. So that was the rumor that I had heard. Nice. I, I can't confirm that at all, but that'll be really cool. I just have I, look, when we do these things, I have one one pet peeve when we do these things, okay? And that is if and this goes for like football too. And I talked to Stuart Swigert about this when you when you're on the sidelines and everything. If you're getting down there and Purdue wants to honor you, or they're going to you know, give you those sideline passes, courtside seats, one thing I ask. Can you put something Purdue on? (laughs) And if you and if you show up and you're like, "Hey, I forgot to," and I don't have time to run across the store to an actual merchandise store to do that, Um, you know, they have like they're all over the place. There's a shirt or something someplace. Talk to the equipment guys; they will get you something. Put something on that just says Purdue.
1: I can't agree with you more. I mean, I can't imagine not wearing Purdue apparel to a. To a basketball or football game, I mean. So yeah, Well,
0: it's different for us too because we're not the athlete, you know. They're they're different. But like I remember, and I'm I'm not trying to bag on the guy, but like you know, Caleb came. Remember when Caleb Biggie came back and he had like the overalls and everything and do it. we gotta put like a hat on or something. <laughs> come on, that's a cool look, my friend. You know, they're on the these players are come back. Uh, I see in college football during the playoffs, you know, and they're uh, uh, they're playing in the NFL. But like, dude, throw a hoodie on or something. Like, and if you're the school at the same time, you're like, you, you need that because you got recruits and stuff watching and that's just, that, that helps the school. That makes you synonymous with the school there. And that's, that's absolutely huge when it comes to recruiting and stuff. Do you know how many times, and I had, uh, I know it's a quick side note, but uh, we, I was talking to my uh, cousin over Christmas and he's got a son who's, um, what, Mason's uh, a freshman in uh, in high school. And they said, hey. Uh, we'll see if he knows anybody from Purdue. He said, who do you think the most favorite, besides Ryan Kerrigan, because he's a huge uh, Redskins fan. And he said, oh, Drew Brees. He's like, yeah, that's the most famous guy, right? And I go, I don't know, because let me educate you on some of the guys. And it's like, oh, really? Oh, really? Oh, well, okay. Like, you know, I don't think the people, some people outside of our bubble realize some of the great names that have come and played both basketball and football here. So that's like whenever they come back, you know, like to get that uh, Purdue shirt on him for something. Well, I will here. be
1: watching anxiously tomorrow to make sure that each one has on his Boilermaker apparel.
0: I'm still so. gonna love him no matter what. <laughs> like if he's got like a shirt on for like the for the foundation stuff that he runs. I give you a pass on that, okay? I give one hundred percent a pass on that. <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> but I mean like let's at least just throw let's throw a hat on or something. Can we do
1: that? Maybe, you know, no? the other night I, I well, did see an all American wide receiver at the ball game, not to mention any names, but he was uh he was toting the red on. So but I'm thinking maybe that's from uh his uh early days in high school, uh, when he played with Romeo. But uh but yeah, it was a little bit interesting to see that. But yeah, I agree with you. You need black and gold on when you're at the basketball games.
0: Well, let's go. He spent four years. You gave this place four years of your life. Come on, <laughs> you're out a whole little bit. And you know that's neither here nor there. That's going to be a good one though, uh, on uh, Saturday against Penn State. A game that, man, you go back and you look at that box score. That was a wonky game in overtime out there in State College because you're out rebounding that one. They had a ton of offensive rebounds, but you shot the ball like. 56% from the field as opposed to their 38%. And you still went to overtime, which is just crazy.
1: And, you know, I mean, Penn State has, has had a ton of talent. You know, they won the NIT last year. They thought this was going to be a great year. They've, been They've always so had, like, that
0: one score or yeah, two, uh-huh. you know. And you're like, man, if that guy just had a couple yep. of pieces, man, yep. Penn State would be good, but they never put anything around those guys.
1: And, you know, the Boilers had an 18-point lead in that game, if I'm not mistaken, and and, and Penn State came back and, you know, and, they were not hitting their threes and all of a sudden against the Boilermakers, as we say this, it seems like every opponent was shooting out of this world as far as hitting those threes and, and making it such a tight game. And the Boilers were very fortunate there at the end to make the play. I mean, you, you know, that they called the foul there at the end, we may not have even had that game go into overtime. So, you know, the fact we were able to get that into overtime and then that's where we're able to dominate and, and Travion dominated. and. Hopefully we can start Travion out and get him into a groove because I think the other night against Maryland, you know, those early fouls took him out and he just looked like he wasn't in a groove. And when he played, he was three out of four from the field. He only played 10 minutes against the Terrapins the other night. So, you know, if they can establish uh, Travion down low and continue to work the ball and, you know, they continue to not turn the basketball over and they continue to rebound well, you know, for them to be even or slightly ahead. I think it was they were they had one more rebound than Maryland did the other night. So impressive against that dominant front line that Maryland puts out there. And another thing I
0: think that hurt them, too, is they found a little success in in Minnesota out-rebounding them by putting both um, uh, both, both, uh, Williams and Harms in at the same time. And when Williams get that foul trouble, that takes that off the table. Now, I don't think that's going to work against Maryland because, as uh, as Kyle likes to point out on our morning show, uh, Maryland very good uh, at the four with an athletic kind of guy, and that's the that's the kind of player that Purdue has traditionally struggled against is an athletic four like that and getting out and doing the car. I don't know if that would have changed anything, but they needed to do something in the second half to, to kind of spice things up there. And they were unable to do that. That might've been an option had Travian not, you know, been in the foul trouble. And,
1: you know, I, absolutely. And I think, you know, you cannot do that when you have them both in foul trouble and, and talk about Evan Bedreau. I mean, he gave some calling minutes. I was glad to see him to come off the bench and or a person who hasn't played in several games, for him to come out, hit a basket, and played pretty well. So
0: Maryland fans were a little rough on him with, the, fans uh, with, with, the, hair, on with the hair stuff. Yeah. Uh, but this is the same base that used to call Isaac Haas ugly. Remember that was their chance. And so. not to
1: mention making fun of his sister. So I mean, yeah, that know,
0: was a little out of line. Yeah, they, they are not <laughs> known.
1: Uh, they were not known in the ACC uh, as one of the most classier fans' base in that conference. And so, uh, and now, uh, unfortunately, the board and the rest of Big Ten have to deal with that fan base.
0: Well, they had to deal with it in the first half because they didn't show up for tip-off, clearly, but they were there in the second. And it was raining. Come on, us. you know, raining. You can't come oh, to a basketball we'll game when it's that. Raining. All right. Hey, we got a uh, uh, – here's what we're going to do. Uh, we got Alan Karpik uh, on the Wings, et cetera, Hammerhead hotline. The sun is shining. It's a good
2: day. It's a cold day, but it's a good day. <laughs> and and uh, always good to talk pretty basketball with you guys.
0: Hey, before we get into uh, the, the team and the matchup and everything uh, this week and – uh, I do want to point out goldenblack.com, you you, you got you, you actually got your hands dirty. you finally wrote an article. It's about time you got to work over there. but yeah uh, it, it, uh, it, it brought up a really good discussion because when talking about how great Grady Eifert is, but you really broke it all down. Uh, who is the goat when it comes to walk-ons at Purdue Basketball? And uh, you uh, you did a lot of research on that. So tell me, what did your research indicate? Who is the goat?
2: Well, it's, it's Jim Rowinsky. I mean, you can't – here's a guy that comes to Purdue as a true, even more of a walk-on, less preferred of a walk-on than Grady Eifert was. Uh, he's part of Lee Rose's renegade squad, comes to Purdue at 6'8", 197 pounds, leaves at – excuse me, 6'4", 197 pounds, grows to 6'8", 240, and not only is he a walk-on, but he ends up being the Big Ten MVP and leads Purdue and Gene Katie to the first Big Ten championship. The Boilermakers, picked to be ninth in the Big Ten in 1984, win the conference championship or a share of it with Illinois. And Rowinski gets an article in Sports Illustrated, which back in the day, as Jeff can remember, that was a big deal back then. <laughs> it and, was, and uh, it was the deal. The Prince of Pecks, as Curry Kirkpatrick called him, and uh, Jim Rowinski wins uh, goes from walk on to Big Ten silver basketball and MVP winner. So. Uh, that, but Grady Eifert don't, is no slouch, and, and Grady Eifert is definitely number two uh, in the history of Purdue walk-ons. But gee, there's other guys that have started some significant games, Bobby Riddell, certainly, and uh, Andrew Ford, uh, Drew Antrup, uh Chad Kirkhoff, four guys that I think actually have drawn starts from uh, rising from walk-on to uh, that opportunity.
1: Yeah, you know those teams uh, weren't all that good, so for for Grady to have the impact that he's having on a uh, you know a top twenty five team the way he has is pretty impressive. Did you, did you happen to catch the uh, thing from Cascade high School? The cadets uh, have the daily Grady award for one of their players who hustles and uh, goes out of his way to play like Grady Eifert. i think that's that's uh, pretty uh, pretty impressive that they're honoring Grady with that on a daily basis at their basketball practices.
2: Well, you bring up an excellent point, and not to disparage Bobby Riddell and Andrew Ford, uh, both great kids and 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 work like hell to get an opportunity to play. But you're right; those were that Riddell got some time in Matt Painter and Gene Cady's, Matt Painter's first year when they were really compromised. Andrew Ford at the end of Gene Cady's time in in, in difficult times as well. So uh, Chad Kirkhoff, however, was a part of the 2000 team that played quite a bit on the team that made the Elite Eight. Uh, with Brian Cardinal and Jerron Cornell, Mike Robinson, et cetera. So, uh, again, uh, it is impressive. And Grady Eifert, guys, did not have one of his better games, uh, at least shooting the basketball on Tuesday night at Maryland, but he still made plays where he kept possessions alive. Uh, amazing guy to watch. And, and really, uh, you're going to value him even more as time goes on because he has been uh, a huge, huge part of why Purdue is where it's at.
0: Alan, at what point do you think uh, that game had officially gotten away from Purdue at Maryland? Was there an instance? Uh, was it maybe w- when Carson slips and then they hit the three and then he tries to, to kind of you know rebut there a little bit and he failed? I mean, is that the point where they lost that game? What did you see?
2: Well, I, I, the game I thought was Purdue was still in the hunt until about five minutes to go in all honesty. But, yeah, I thought it was a bad sign when Carson slips twice um, and, and his shot selection certainly was questioned. Uh, but, uh, I think at that that, that you knew it wasn't going to be Purdue's day. I thought Maryland did a, a terrific job of pushing Purdue out. It had a lot to do with the reason why Purdue shot 18% from the floor, but that was disconcerting as well. They got, you know, got a bunch of freshmen and Bernard and, and, uh, Fernando also, uh, uh, uh really causing problems. Uh, That was tough when the uh, Purdue had a lot of experience and didn't be able to, and they'd done, Purdue had done so well in crunch time. It just wasn't to be on Tuesday night.
1: Alan, have you ever seen a big 10 race where, you know, uh, every single game, the Boilermakers have seven games left and, and I know their opponents percentage of winning is 35%, but you know, when you look at that schedule, Purdue should be favored to win every single remaining game. But they have to be ready to play in every single one of those games, because of the way that everybody's playing, the way that Illinois is playing, the way that Penn State is playing. Have you ever seen a Big Ten race where you have to lay some up every single night, or you could be upset?
2: Uh, I've seen races where they, where I mean, obviously the league league, but I don't know they've ever seen the league. From uh, zero to fourteen, or or top to bottom, like this, because Rutgers is dangerous. Penn State has proven it's dangerous. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen that. I mean, there have obviously been some great uh, finishes and some su- surprise finishes uh, over the years, but yeah, it's it, it's been amazing. And you know, even though Purdue was actually a technically a favorite over over Maryland, uh, I think the Boilermakers were a two point favorite, and they might be a. You know Minnesota, maybe they they probably will be a favorite if if assuming Purdue doesn't go in the tank over the next couple of weeks. But you know being a favorite at Indiana, winner, I don't care if the odds makers have you a favorite Indiana. That is a heck of a going to be a heck of a tough game too. So and, and you know obviously don't want to take tomorrow's game for granted if you're Purdue uh, because Penn State has shown not only can it win at home but it has played well on the road, played very well at Ohio State. Uh, and uh, played well obviously uh in its upset of at, at northwestern you know you can poo-poo northwestern all you want too, but northwestern should have beat Iowa they were up 15 of them on them earlier this week uh you, you know that that uh, there just are no cakewalks uh from now till uh when the season ends for purdue
1: yeah but they were only up 15 with three and a half minutes to go I mean yeah <laughs> i mean you know what
2: the heck so i mean that 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 That's great basketball. That's fun. But, you know, like I said, Saturday, I like the way Pat Chambers coaches at at Penn State. I think he's one of the better coaches in the league, though I know there, some people think he may get fired and, and I suppose that could happen. But, uh, he just, they play hard and they are, they and, they, and uh, I think Mike Watkins is still getting rebounds against Purdue uh, from uh, January 31st. I mean he's he, he's he's and Lamar Stevens we know is a, is a quality guy that uh, that has caused problems. So this will be a be a good contest in a great environment to. You know what, you know even the Purdue Nebraska game last uh, Saturday was no cakewalk. I mean, that game was 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 not necessarily nip and tuck, but if you were a Purdue fan, you were anxious with 5 or 6 minutes left to go because Nebraska was within striking distance. Yes, I know Purdue won by 19, but uh, that uh, that game was uh was still in some level of doubt in the second half. And Nebraska, when you watch Nebraska play, and I know we're talking about two games down the road, but, and we'll talk about that next week, but they passed the eyeball test. And that's pretty much the case with every team in this league. Uh, they're dangerous, and they, and they look like they're teams that can compete against you.
0: Alan, let me ask you this. Out of that remaining schedule for Purdue, uh, what matchup scares you the most? Um... Maybe at Minnesota, I, at Indiana? Yeah, at
2: Minnesota, but, I, but I, I'll say this, and maybe it's because I've watched Purdue basketball for too long, but Indiana's always always treacherous. I mean, uh, you have to believe that everybody's completely counts them out, and and but you know that that's, that, that arena, that uh, the Assembly Hall, will be loaded for bear uh, in big-time uh, mode on, on Tuesday night. And I think that that game is good. But I, I'll be honest right now, I – you know Purdue has not lost at home. Uh, the Boilermakers have only done that twice in the history of Mackey Arena, uh, and uh, and one of those teams was a Final Four team that did it. The other one was ranked in the ranked in the top ten and uh, Jawan Johnson and Etowin Moore's team in 2011. My point is uh, Illinois scares me. Uh, they are they are playing very they're very good defensively. I would be a little bit surprised if they play that well on the road, but they have played well on the road. And they just seem to be having a – and if I could pronounce the freshman's name that's going off for them, I, I apologize. I don't Let's even do want it. to try. Come on. But, uh, but, nope, I don't even want to try. His name's Smith, I think. But he is absolutely <laughs> – No, it's not. You know, he's, Romeo Langford, Langford uh, might have thought to have been the best freshman in the Big Ten. This guy, uh, this guy has been uh, Smith, and uh, he has been phenomenal. Uh, and as good as Travion Williams has been, this uh, you know again, Illinois is dangerous. They're all dangerous. Even Ohio State. I'll na- I'll name them all. You just never know what's gonna what, who's gonna rear their ugly head, and you have to be careful if you're Purdue.
1: And real quickly, Alan, uh, have you ever seen potentially an, a four and ten IU basketball team take on a, a uh, potential eleven and three Boilermaker team uh, in a Big Ten race like this?
2: You know, there. I think that Robbie Hummel, uh, in in in, in two thousand nine, it was a 78-75 win. Uh, that Indiana' might record in the league was down, and they darn near beat Purdue. And uh, uh, back before uh, uh, in Jordy Holes and those guys were just getting started. But yeah, it, it 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 hasn't happened very often. And and again, Indiana's got talent, and we know that. And and if they figure out uh, on the right night to how to play and how to shoot the basketball, uh, it will be dangerous. Uh, that game scares will scare the living does scare the living heck out of me and if you're a Purdue fan it should but but I'll also say to, to tomorrow is dangerous too. You just better be ready because uh, if you're not, somebody's gonna knock you off.
0: Alan Garpick at goldenblack.com, a great resource for the fans. Uh, make sure you go and check it out. Alan, we always appreciate it. Thanks so much.
2: Guys, I always appreciate being on the show. Have a great rest of the show.
0: Thanks, bud. All right, so uh, that was Alan Carpik there before. Did a a great job of helping us uh, break down this. I love his goat. If you haven't read that goat article, uh, by the way, that's greatest of all time, if you're one of those old people. Like, he didn't write an article on goats playing at Purdue. Uh, that's that's the abbreviation for I was for thinking
1: it. maybe we were going into 4-H <laughs> here or something. I mean, come on.
0: So uh, And he started to lead in a little bit to what's left. Uh, obviously, the Penn State game is the immediate concern, but uh, you turn around on Tuesday, and he's never easy about going into Bloomington, no matter uh, what Purdue is and what IU is. Uh, remember last year we had a big uh, winning streak, and then we are getting ready to set the record, and it was going to be at Bloomington to do it. And yeah, I remember he was really freaked out about that game. Uh, and I think that was a better IU team than what Purdue is facing uh, right now. But I just I don't see it when it comes to them. You know, look at the look at the uh, matchup. It's on a Tuesday. So, and you were just telling me you're looking at the StubHub. There are tons of tickets available for that one, which tells me the indie folks are not going down because they don't think that they have a chance to win. And if fans don't think you have a chance to win, something makes me wonder if the team thinks they have chances to win.
1: Well, it's certainly a different IU team that we're used to seeing. I mean. Um... They had a serious effort problem, and, you know, you saw Nebraska go in there, and they looked absolutely awful against that. And then they were able to to pull out that victory up at at East Lansing. And then, uh, you know, you did see a better effort against Iowa. You did see a better effort against the high state, but they lost both those games. And then, you know, the other day against the high state, you know, Jawan Morgan goes for three points. I mean, you know, as good a player as he is. And Romeo's been getting better and better, but they still have an issue. This team does not shoot well from the perimeter. They have no chemistry. And no chemistry. And, you know, and the other day, I mean, I thought it was very telling. um, You know, high State hit a free throw to go up by three. They missed the second free throw. There's about seven seconds left. Morgan grabs the rebound. He's got two options. He can either throw it to Green or he can throw it to Romeo. And whoever gets that is going to take the last shot. And after he looks at both of them, he throws it to Green and Green takes the last shot. You know, I think most IU fans would certainly want Romeo to take that shot. So, again, I think there's some chemistry issue there. And, I'm anxious to see how they do against Minnesota because you know if they go up to Minnesota and, and don't play well, they're gonna get beat and beat soundly. And, you know, then you're looking at a four and ten IU basketball team uh, headed back to take on the Boilermakers in what undoubtedly may be their Super Bowl of the
0: season. And that's always a good place to be in, isn't it? When we're starting to worry about your Super Bowl for the season, you know, and you're the other team in that Super Bowl. Uh, you definitely don't want to be you don't want to be that. But yeah. I mean, you bring up the observations about Romeo. Yeah, they got the nice one up there in Michigan State, and, and that's fine and dandy, but, I mean, they're still hanging on to, I, I know people don't like to hear this, but technically still holding on uh, right there. They're on the bubble for the NCAA tournament because of the wins that they compiled early on in the season. I understand they could still be a dangerous team uh, because they were able to beat teams like Marquette, but something has happened on this squad uh, for the Hoosiers that has just completely derailed whether this is something that Archie has done, whether it's a player chemistry issue, uh, you know, green had that suspension. Uh, I I just did. Are are they making, I think they're making spring break plans right now, to be honest, that's the way they're playing. Like they're like, Hey, I'm trying to hit Daytona. I'm not trying to mess around with an NIT. And you know, and the issue is, I
1: mean, they have to put 68 teams in the tournament. And if this had been a normal year, when you get to the bottom of the bracket this year, that's why you're talking about Nebraska and you're talking about IU and Minnesota being in the tournament. Because on paper, their quality and their quad one wins puts them in a position to to be a team in the in the NCAA tournament. A normal year, that doesn't happen. But this IU team plays really good defense at times, but their offense is very very stagnant and. You know Purdue's got to take care of the basketball and not let them get the breakouts because that's how they scored points against Ohio State, and and then they got the game tied and defense would you know Davis didn't get into a stance and Wesson blows by him for the dunk and Ohio State wins the basketball game. So you know play after play IU doesn't make the play when they need to, and there I I totally think you're right with that chemistry issue and. You know, there there's talk that you know, ten minutes after the game against the high state, the players are out signing autographs and laughing and, and having a great old time. And you know, there there's certain uh part of the I.U. fan base who thinks that IU doesn't care when they get beat and the and older part of the
0: fan base, but the kids are still apparently. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean
1: it's one of those things where,
0: you know, IU does have the potential. How are you gonna get mad at that kid? Why are you gonna get mad at that kid? This is the same one that you praised. Uh, When he had his little, you know, come to the gym let's and, and you lined up around the block to get in there to watch him pick up the IU hat and you clapped him and you told him how great he is. And now when he's not taking things seriously and doesn't feel like that there's any repercussions for that, now you're mad?
1: Well, you praised him for one reason. You praised him because you thought he was going to come to IU, win a lot of basketball games as a one and done, and lead your team to the Elite Eight or the Final Four. And now, all of a sudden, you're not getting the wins, so he becomes just another player. And so that's why you would have fans up, upset with him.
0: I'm just, you know, you kind of you kind of created this monster a I little agree. bit. You, I agree. You kind of created you this know, monster. You know, tailgating
1: for his announcement and and all the stuff, and he's, he's a good, good player, and he's still in the top 20 in the NBA, and, and there's one publication that still has him as a top six pick and, and be a lottery pick, so... You know, we'll see how he does at the next level. But, um, you know, the chemistry that you see with this Purdue basketball team, with the Grady Eiferts and and the Ryan Klein making the shots, all centered around this great player of Carson Edwards, IU hasn't been able to capitalize on that with their two talented players of of Romeo and Morgan. And so, you know, it does come down to chemistry. It does come down to what the coach sets. And we are so fortunate at Purdue to have a, a coach like Matt Painter who holds his team to play in the Purdue way and play in, like, the program, and that's why they're successful, as opposed to Archie, who's trying to basically develop that culture at IU, and he's in his second year, and so far
0: it hasn't been established. And also the thing that I like about uh, this IU matchup for Purdue is how many times you watch a Purdue game and you, you see a team from behind the arc who is just abysmal, right? And for some reason they string together, like, five, six of these things in a row, and you're like, you got to be kidding me. But IU as uh, the second, uh, they're thirteenth out of fourteen in the conference and made three pointers. So you're they telling me IU? Shoot that.
1: IU's going to shoot sixty percent now, right? I guess I'm point. not going to be surprised
0: <laughs> if that happens. But at the same time, that's pretty, that's pretty darn bad. I mean, like Rutgers, Rutgers had that run. You're like, oh come on, man, you got to be kidding me.
1: And that's been IU's problems. I mean, when they did beat uh, Michigan State, they did hit some three pointers, you know, with, uh, with the outside guards hitting some shots, and so. Yeah, it's one of those games where you know Purdue just needs to take care of business, go down there focused and be ready to play and get on IU early. And uh, you know, I think if the Boilermakers can not get a big lead on them, um, some doubt will set in the mind of the of the Hoosiers. I
0: think those uh, those Indy Hoosier fans are talking about pitchers and catchers now. I think they're over this. I think they've moved on.
1: You know, I was thinking about that today. I mean, I've always wanted to see like IU and Purdue go into the bucket game with both of them undefeated, or or you know, where both teams are, are great, and we never see that in football and. You know, you could have that in baseball this year. Both Purdue and IU are, are very, very good in baseball.
0: Well, if you want to see an undefeated bucket matchup, you better start going to the uh, the antique store, find every <laughs> lamp that you can, and start rubbing, buddy, because Try it's to about find the a genie. only way you're going to ever see that happen. All right, let's go ahead and uh, let's take a look at the Big Ten schedule for the rest of the week until we have our uh, show next Friday. Uh, nothing on your Friday night, but Saturday action-packed. Lots of intriguing matchups. It starts at noon in the Chrysler Center, where 6th-ranked Michigan hosts 24th-ranked Maryland in a game that Boilermaker fans will probably pretty be pretty interested in, in watching.
1: You know, in Michigan, tough, tough schedule. I mean, they have Maryland twice. They have to go to Minnesota. Uh, they still have to play Michigan State twice. And, and, oh, by the way, they got Nebraska in there. So, I mean... You know, huge, huge game for the standings to see how Maryland and – because Maryland right now may be the most talented team in the conference. They, they're they very young. They, you saw how well they can play in the second half mm-hmm. against the Boilermakers the other night. So big game on Saturday for those two teams. I don't know who I'm taking on that one. Who are you taking? Um, I think on this one, I, I, let, let's have the home team win both those games. Let's, let's go that
0: route. Here's where I'm at with this one, too, is if Maryland comes out and dominates Michigan on that one, and you're hoping for Michigan to get a piece of uh, Michigan State at one point. That's not a good sign. That's not a good sign. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, so I think we go with Michigan sign. tomorrow. Uh, Indiana travels up to the barn in Minnesota, and uh, remember, Bettino got kicked out earlier this week. He was, or no, he got no, uh, no he got at the end. Fearful, yeah. yeah. Beeline got, Beeline kicked, got out. kicked out, yeah. but then like the next night, then uh, Bettino, uh you know, was walking a very fine line with officials afterwards. Well, that
1: was a very questionable call. You know, his player went straight up and uh, it, with one second to go, and uh, the player jumped into him, and they, and they called the foul, which you usually don't see happen. So, yeah, you know, Minnesota, why well, they've lost four in a row. So, uh, you know, they're falling apart quickly as well. So, uh, you know, there's still talk of them having NCAA hopes, but uh, they're going to have to get turned around quickly if that's going
0: to happen. Uh, we continue along here with uh, Penn State at Purdue at 4 p.m. That game. Uh, on BTN, and then uh, at 6 p.m., it's Iowa at Rutgers. Iowa's still the 21st-ranked team in the country. Rutgers up to 500 now. Uh, they are at 5-9 and nine in the Big Ten.
1: Yeah, you know, and I'm anxious to see how that game plays because, you know, Iowa at times does not look good, and they did not look good for most of the game against Northwestern that night before they pulled that miracle comeback. So uh, I can see Rutgers beating Iowa in the
0: rack. I don't know. I don't know. That's a tough one because Iowa just doesn't play defense. That's the problem. That's true, and they're terrible yeah. at defense. And so they Rutgers come out there a little a... bit cold shooting on a Saturday afternoon. And Rushker's a great rebounding team, and Iowa struggles at rebounding sometimes. So, and uh, of course, with the being a Saturday game, you know the racks going to be packed. Yeah. That's the other part of it too. Yep. So uh, they're going to be looking for the upset. Then the evening tilt and Big Ten Network, it's Northwestern at Nebraska. You could probably just go ahead and pencil Nebraska in because Northwestern is
1: terrible. You would hope, but I tell you what, even Nebraska winning that game against Minnesota, they did not look all that great. So, you know, they had lost, what, seven in a row. So, uh, can they keep that momentum going and uh, keep Les Miles uh, uh, out of the hot seat? you say Les Miles? I'm sorry. I always call him Les Miles. <laughs> Ten Miles.
0: <laughs> I was like, oh, gosh, no wonder the program's gotten terrible. It's the LSU coach coaching Ooh, the Huskers. Uh, Les Miles. Ten Miles. For some, uh, me? for some reason there. Okay, all right. Well, we'll let that, we'll let that mistake slide. Okay. Don't you worry. All right, let's uh, move along to uh, your Sunday matchup, Ohio State and Michigan State. Um, uh, yeah, we all know who Purdue's going to be rooting for there, but uh, I, I haven't seen a whole lot out of Ohio State lately.
1: And it's a huge game for the Buckeyes because, you know, they were on a three-game winning streak, and they lost that game to Illinois last night. So they, they have opportunities. They play Michigan State. They play uh, Maryland. They still play Purdue, of course. They They need a top 25 win, and so – Uh, You know,
0: if they have NCAA hopes, this would be a huge victory if they could beat Sparty in uh, East Lansing. Well, uh, you certainly hope so. Let's continue on to our uh, Monday slate, and it's Illinois at Wisconsin. Very interesting uh, because Illinois traditionally struggles with with, uh, with Wisconsin. Really, really, you know, I think it's been, what, like 12, last 12 times they've lost to Wisconsin, but uh, this Illinois team's playing with fire right now you know Illinois plays a different type of of
1: defense and these kids just seem really close and you know I know Robbie Hummel was talking about that last night on the broadcast about the chemistry of that team so you know with a team that's run what 4 in a row you know if they can go into Madison and get that victory uh they're certainly going to put the rest of the Big 10 on
0: alert Boy, let's see what happens there. And you'd like a little breathing room from Wisconsin, wouldn't you? Um, Purdue uh, in Indiana on Tuesday. That's on ESPN2, a 7 p.m. tip-off in Assembly Hall. Can Purdue pull out the sweep again? It's only been well over 1,000 days since uh, Indiana's beaten Purdue at uh, basketball. Uh, perhaps we can extend that streak a little bit.
1: Let's, uh, If we don't play them in the Big Ten tournament, what we can extend that for at least, what, another 300 days or so? I'd like to
0: see that. I'll take it. Uh, that would be fantastic. Uh, Nebraska-Penn State uh, will be interesting because Nebraska has to go into the Bryce Jordan Center, and we know what that place is like on a Tuesday night. Dead. <laughs> Dead. Maryland and Iowa, the 8 p.m. game on BTN on Tuesday night. Another very uh, interesting matchup.
1: Yeah, especially for the standings because, you know, Iowa's hanging around there with, with five losses and Maryland with four. So, and depending on how that comes out over
0: the weekend, but
1: uh, should be a very good game in Carver-Hawkeye.
0: Uh, well, let's move on to your Wednesday slate. It's Rutgers and Michigan State. Any chance for Rutgers? I know you're uh, you're a little high on them, right? Yeah, but not I, that I high.
1: you know, Michigan State's schedule just looks so user friendly. Other than the two games with Michigan, so I mean, uh, you know, we hopefully will not need that help. But uh, you know, I would think Michigan State should take care of Rutgers.
0: And then uh, we wrap it up with uh, Thursday night action. Just one game: Michigan at Minnesota and uh, Michigan's remaining schedule is just is brutal for them.
1: And you know that game in Michigan Minnesota took them to the wire and Michigan had to hit a shot at the buzzer to win that game. So uh but the problem is I I just don't see, you know, Minnesota's not playing well at the present time. And so with with that being the case, uh, you know this could be a very tough game for Minnesota. But at the same time, Michigan hasn't been playing
0: that. Yeah, well, you keep so. on looking, and you keep on looking at the top of the standings. There, Purdue's remaining uh, opponents' win percentage: thirty two percent. Michigan State's forty nine percent. Michigan's sixty two percent. Yeah, you know their You know, honestly, I can see Michigan losing
1: three, four more ball games just because the schedule's so brutal. And then when you look at Michigan State's, the, the games that really look tough there have to be the two Michigan games, and and I know they go to Indiana, but unless Indiana gets this turned around, I can't see them taking down Michigan State. Even though they did beat them the first time, I think I think revenge will be on the mind of Sparty for that game, and the, the, it comes down to can Purdue take care of business with their, you know, they have the most road games of any team left in the conference uh, of the contenders with four road games. And they take care of business at home and then win three of those? Three out of four should probably get you a share of the title. And, uh, boy, what a special season it would be after coming off that 6-5 and five start the Boilermakers had
0: to be Big Ten champions. Big Ten Conference looks like this. There are six teams in the top 25 now. Uh, three-way tie at the top of the standings in the loss column, uh, Michigan State and uh, Michigan. Uh, Sparty is 11th. Michigan is 6th in the country. Purdue, uh, right behind them, a half game. Technically, ten and three. Uh, they're twelfth ranked team in the co- in the country. Uh, followed by Maryland, who is just a uh, full game behind out of the lead at ten and four. They're twenty fourth. Wisconsin at nine and five, two games uh, behind Michigan State, twentieth team in the country. And then Iowa, two and a half games back at uh, twenty one. Then the middle looks like this: Ohio State at six and seven, Minnesota at six and eight, Illinois at six and eight. Rutgers at 5-9, and nine, Indiana at 4-9, Nebraska 4-10, Northwestern 3-10, and, and Penn State at 2-11. and 11. Trying to look for these buys here and then who has to play on the Wednesday. Uh, we told you last week that we thought uh, that the bottom part of this uh, Big Ten tournament was going to get itself pretty well sorted out. And with Illinois getting a couple of big wins, they've pretty much played their way, I think, out so to speak, uh, because uh, you you look at Indiana's in that last spot to have to play on Wednesday at 4-9. Uh, they still got to catch up to Rutgers at 5-9. Uh, I don't know that they necessarily catch up to Illinois at 6-8. It's going to be close, though.
1: When you look at Indiana's schedule, they may not win a game until they play Rutgers, uh, you know, the last game of the season. And and that you know, may be to who has to play on Wednesday. Exactly, but, I mean, you know, who would have thought going into the season that Indiana and Nebraska and Northwestern, for that matter, would be playing on the first day of the Big Ten tournament? I mean...
0: It's just crazy that
1: those teams have slid
0: that fall down the standings. All right, that'll do it for us here on the Boiler Basketball Show. We want to thank you for listening. Check out the podcast on iTunes and Spotify. We'll see you next week.